Who here, last 12 months or so, has had some of their travel plans kind of squashed? Kind of like you had, had big plans. I know, you know John was going to go to New Zealand, see his family and stuff, and hasn't been able to do it, which is, man, it's a bit rough. And who else had amazing travel plans? Yeah, and it's a little bit, a little bit disappointed that you didn't get to go traveling in the last 12 months. A little bit. Well, I'm sorry. This is a trigger warning. I'm going to talk about a travel story. And if that gives you, you know, sad feelings and things, come and see me afterwards and we can, can discuss it. But that's, there's your trigger warning. All right. So when I was about 11 or 12, uh, around there, my family actually went to London for six weeks. Uh, it was an incredible, incredible trip. My grandma lived in London and she'd been there for a few years, so we hadn't seen her in a while. And so we went over there for six weeks over Christmas uh, in London. And it was one of the coldest Decembers on record that year. It was insane. Like the ground was literally frozen, frozen solid. But it was amazing. We went to London. As part of it, we also did like a one-week adventure over to Paris and Scotland and, and different things. And we saw all of the sites. So mum and dad made sure it was like we're going to go and see every single of the historic, the important sites. We went and saw you know, the Tower of London. We went to the Louvre. We went to the Arc de Triomphe. We went to the Eiffel Tower. We went and made sure that we saw every single one of those sites. Now, as a like 11, 12-year-old boy, I'm like, who cares? Who cares about some stinking old rocks, some wall and some weird things? The Tower of London was actually kind of cool because we went to like where the torture chamber stuff was and the, the different like axis things. That was actually kind of wild. But as an 11-year-old, 12-year-old boy, I was like, I don't care about any of this stuff. Let's just go to Disneyland and have a wild time. Let's go have fun. But mum and dad was just like, no, this is important stuff. And one day you will thank me that you, that you he took you here because this is a story you're going to want to tell. And here I am telling that story. Anyway, we went to these amazing places. And now as I'm a bit older, I can appreciate, you know, the historic value and the immense, you know, just amazing architecture and things of all of those places. But I remember one, one in particular. We went to the Palace of Versailles uh, in France. And it was this amazing palace that where the king and queen of France used to reside and different things. There's incredible history surrounding it. And it's this amazing, incredible architecture. These huge gold pillars with marble and like these amazing, incredible paintings on the roofs. Like something, you know, it's just absolutely, unbelievably incredible. And I remember walking through this and in one of the rooms, it was one of the big, like it was a big mess hall or like the Hall of Mirrors or something. It was one of the, the main rooms in the palace. And in the middle of this room that was designed to be one of the most incredible rooms you'd ever seen, was this huge, giant, metallic balloon dog. It stuck out like a sword. It's unreal. You go into this place that was built hundreds of years ago, and it's incredible architecture. It's amazing. And you walk into the middle of it, and there is this huge, like two-meter-tall, giant, metallic, ready pink balloon dog. I think we've actually got a photo of it. I have a media crew can put it up here. In the middle of the Palace of Versailles, you've got to go home and do some research on the Palace of Versailles. It's this incredible palace. And in the middle of this room, is there a photo coming? There is a photo coming, I promise you. I promise you there's a photo. All right, now use your imagination here, right? A giant, humongous, two-meter-tall, giant, metallic, balloon dog. It's not what you expect. You come and you see these incredible things that were built hundreds and hundreds of years ago. It's amazing. It's wonderful. And then there's this weird thing that doesn't belong at all. It doesn't belong. And you look at it and it stands out. It stands out so much that you can't seem to take your eyes off it. 
even with the incredible things all around it, this one thing that doesn't seem like it fits is the one thing you can't take your eye off. And you look at that and you think, man, where did this come from? Who made it? Why did they make it? What is going on with this? What is the point of this? What is this? And why is it the way it is? And how did the person create it? Who created it? You look at this thing that sticks out like a sore thumb and you can't help but ask yourself, why and who created it? What have they got? What the artistic ability do they have insight into the world of modern art they have that I don't? What is going on there that I can't understand? And you ask all these questions and you're trying to figure it out. You're trying to work it out. And you know what? I think the world needs people like that. I think the world needs people to be standing out like a sore thumb. I think the world needs people to stick out so much that they look at them and think, what have they got that I don't? You know, you've seen it the last, well, 12 months, maybe more, people have just been in a real funk. They've been struggling. You've seen people getting stuck in a lockdown and depression has gone on the rise. Anxiety has gone on the rise. And people seem to be struggling. People seem to be looking for a model for something they can look to that's different, that makes more sense, that gives them a sense of purpose, that gives them a sense of joy, that just gives them something to aim for. And you know, over the last few years, we have seen it. Depression has gone up. People chasing what the world thinks that they should be doing. People chasing the world's idea of success. People chasing the idea that, you know, if I just get that promotion, if I just get that promotion, then I'm going to be happy. Then I'm going to be okay. If I just got those new shoes, then I would be all good. Then, then I would be happy. Then I would have made it. If I just got that girlfriend or boyfriend, then my life would be complete. Then I would be happy. Then everything in the world would make sense and it would be all good. I wouldn't have another care in the world. You know, if I just got that, if I was just more successful, if I got an A instead of a B in my exam, if I did this, I did that, if I just look after me, the world tells you, you know, look after you. Do you, do you, do you, boo. Do you, boo. You just do you, boo. It's all about you. What can you get? What can you do? And it's not working. It's not working. And you can tell, the, the statistics show that it's not working. Like I said, depression, there's more people depressed now than there was however many years ago. There's more people with anxiety. And the suicide rates are increasing, you know, each year. So obviously... It's not working. What the world is telling you how to get success, what the world is telling you how to have a great life is not working. And so for us, I think there's an incredible opportunity when we get a hold of the promise of God, when we get a hold of the life that God has for us, we could be that giant metal balloon dog. You could be that thing that someone walks past and goes, wow, what do they have? What have they got? Who made them? What have they got that I'm missing? What do they know that I don't? How come they can go through whatever they're facing? How come they can walk through life with joy? How come they can walk through life with hope? How come they can walk through life with peace? What have they got? What is going on in their world? What is happening? They're just different. And, you know, one man sums it up pretty good. I'm going to call him the, the goat. Some people are going to disagree with me on that. Uh, the greatest basketball player of all time, the main man, LeBron, the goat, James, sums it up perfectly. I think we've got a little clip. If we've worked out, here we go.
Let's go! Build different, dog. We build different. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah! Let's go! Build different, dog. We build different. Built different, dog. Built different. Yo, we built different. We built different. We, when we get a hold of God's promises, when we get a hold of the life that God has promised for us, we built different, dog. We built different. Yeah! That's it. I want everyone to go out of here tonight. We built different, dog. Actually, listen to Gabe. Gabe crushes it. He's a, he loves it. He's all about built different, dog. Built different. But that's it. That's it. We are built different. We are built different. We are called to a higher purpose. We are called to more. We are that, like I said, giant metal balloon dog. Giant metallic balloon dog. If anyone's in school here and you, you go home and your parents ask you what you learned tonight or what they talked about, tell them that they said, I'm a giant metal balloon dog. That's what I am. We are designed to stand out. We are designed so that when people look at us, they go, what have they got? What is going on in their world? How can they have hope, joy, and peace? What have they got that I don't have? Well, there's an awesome story in Acts, uh, and it's about Paul and Silas. And I believe they, they really just show exactly what it means you know, to be in walking in the purpose of God and to be walking with Him and what that means for Him. And so Acts 16, verses 16 to 40 and this is a really cool story. I'm going to paraphrase the start, read a bit in the middle, and paraphrase the end. Um, but it's a really amazing story, and you should go and read it later because it's really interesting. Basically, Paul and Silas are going off doing their thing. They're going to go and pray, and they're sharing the gospel with the people around them, and they're you know, just doing their thing. And then this slave girl comes um, who's got a spirit of prophecy. So, so she goes and tells the future, and people pay her money, and she makes her owners lots of money because she can prophesy and things. And this person follows... Uh, Paul and Silas and saying, these people are from the Lord Jesus Christ. They've come to proclaim his gospel. And she follows them for days and days and days proclaiming this um, until Paul finally gets annoyed and he, he casts out the demon and says, go be on your way. And she can no longer prophesy and, and make money for her owners. Um, bit weird that he waited days before doing it. Uh, that's a whole other message. Uh, but she sends off and she can no longer prophesy and make money for her owners. So her owners get really annoyed. And so they actually get Paul and Silas thrown into prison because they've lost their source of income, very frustrated. And they get them thrown into prison. We pick up the story in verse 23. And it says, When they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself. For we are all here. And the story goes on that, that the jailer and his family give their lives to the Lord. And it was in great salvation that day. And they all celebrate. Uh, but man, talk about built different, dog. Built different.
These guys, Paul and Silas, you know, they weren't necessarily doing anything wrong. They were just sharing the gospel with people. Um, made some rich people lose their income. Got thrown into jail. Had thrown into the inner parts of the jail. So not just like the, the I guess you could call it the nice part of the jail, like the really sketchy, dungy, little, not like the, not the fun part of the jail, right? The really, really part, that's part they say for people who are doing really bad things, like sharing the gospel, apparently. And they've got their feet in shackles, chained. They're stuck there. They can't go anywhere. They're moved. And somehow, in this circumstance, in this instance where things are going so badly for them, they're singing and they're praising God. They're singing and they're praising God in the midst of one of the toughest, well, for them, like one of a hard day. Paul had lots and lots of really hard days, but this was a hard day for Paul. Um, But they're singing and praising God in the midst of what is an incredibly tough situation. And it says the prisoners were all listening to him. It's the middle of the night. The prisoners are listening to them sing praises to God. And because of their example, they actually, you know, were able to introduce the jailer and his family to Jesus and to his love. And it's like, how, how is it that these guys, in the middle of what could be the toughest moment for them, are praising Jesus? Who is this Jesus guy? How is it that they could praise Jesus when they're stuck in prison? You know, some people here, well, maybe not here, but like in the world, threw a fit because they had to be in the house for three days. They started complaining, going, oh, life sucks. It's so bad. I've got to be stuck in my house for three days. Oh, no. Oh. You know, maybe extended longer in the UK and other places where they've been locked down for ages. And it's just like, oh, people are getting really frustrated and really mad. And they're just like sad. And they're just not doing well because they're stuck in the house for three days. And then you get these dudes who are stuck in a dingy old prison. Stuck there, praising Jesus. What's the difference? What's the difference? How is it that they could be praising Jesus in the middle of this? And I think that's what that's it. That's what built different is. And I think Paul gives us a, a clue in Romans 15 verse 13. He says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. I'm going to read that again because that's key. Romans 15 verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. That's it. That's the difference. That's the difference. God gives us hope. God gives us joy and God gives us peace. So in the middle of the toughest circumstances, when life and everything seems to be crumbling around you, you can look it dead in the eye and say, hey, you know what? My God is bigger. My God is stronger. My God's got a plan for me. My God has things for me to do. So I'm not going to sit here wallowing in self-pity because my life's a little bit tough at the moment. No, I'm going to believe and hope that God has bigger plans. I'm going to walk in joy because I know that my God is good and He is faithful. I'm going to keep having peace because I know that God is going to work it all out in the end. And so I don't have to worry about a thing because I know who my God is. And I know the promise that He has given me. You know, that same hope, that joy, and that peace, man, you guys can all access that right now. You can all have that right now. You know, I don't know what some of you are going through. I don't know what is happening in your worlds at the moment. I don't know. What is going on? But I know that God has hope for you. I know that God has joy for you. And I know that God has peace for you. And I know that all you need to do is reach out to God. Say, hey, God, I want a piece of that. 
And so, you know, it's easy to say that. It's easy to say, you know, God's got hope. God's got joy. God's got peace for you. But what does it actually mean for you? How do you actually use that in everyday life? How can you actually apply that to your life right now? Well, I think there's a couple things that we need to do if we want to really experience being built different. If we want to be the kind of person that walks through a crowd and people go, oh, what have they got? What's going on in their life that they can be smiling and so happy even when things in their world don't seem to be going well? What have they got? Well, it's hope, it's joy, and it's peace. And the first thing you need to do is you need to choose hope. You need to choose hope. You know, it's not an accident to have hope. You don't just wake up one day and really hopeful. It's like, oh, I'm really hopeful today. But it's actually an intentional action to say, you know what? I know who my God is. I know that He is bigger. And I know that he is stronger. And so I'm going to choose today to believe that he has a bigger plan for me despite what I can see in my circumstances right now. Despite the fact that everything seems to be going wrong, I'm going to choose to believe the promise that God has given me. I'm going to make that decision right now that I'm going to choose hope. And when we choose hope, when we choose to believe God, we begin to focus on him. And when we focus on him, we stop thinking about our circumstances. We stop thinking about what is going on in our world, but instead we look to a higher high thing. We look to God and see how incredible He is. You know, there's a, a quote from uh, a book written by Dr. Caroline Leaf, and the book is Switch on Your Brain, a brilliant book about taking control of your mind and, and taking your, your thoughts captive and, and using them to really improve your life. And she says this in the book, thoughts are real, physical things that occupy mental real estate. Moment by moment, every day, you are changing the structure of your brain through your thinking. When we hope it is an activity of the mind that changes the structure of our brain in a positive and normal direction. When we find ourselves looking at our circumstances and think, you know what, life is really hard right now, but you take that and you think, you know what, no, I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to choose hope. I'm going to choose to look at God's promise. I'm going to choose right now to have hope in my God because I know how amazing He is. I'm going to choose to follow Him and choose to hope in that promise. We begin to see our lives shift and change and we can be built different. Next thing you want to do is choose joy. Choose joy. Uh, my lock screen on my phone actually says, so it's a quote, I don't know who said it, but it's, uh, joy is not a fruit of success. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. In other words, joy is something that we can cultivate. Joy is something that we can each day choose to put into our lives. Joy doesn't come because we got the promotion. Joy doesn't come because we were good enough at our job that someone said, you're really good, you can, you can do that. But joy is choosing, choosing to have that hope in God. And that hope breeds joy because we know that when we trust God and we have that joy, that God is going to do incredible things. I find that if you're struggling to have joy, if you're struggling to have that joy that God promises, the best thing you can do is start thinking of things to be thankful for. And I find if you start thinking about things you're thankful for, grateful for, that quickly leads to joy. I know for myself, for an example, uh, when peak lockdown in Australia happened, uh, my son had just been born. Like he was born on the 1st of March, and then like the 12th of March, we were, we were in lockdown. Um, we were all sent, like our, our staff were, we were working from home. And it was a bit of a stressful period. It was a bit tough. And, and I didn't really adjust to the working from home environment very well. I like being around people and, and being in conversations with people and things. Uh, but I just had a moment where I thought, you know what? This is actually an incredible opportunity. How often does a dad get to spend the first six months of their son's life seeing them all day, every day? 
And so for six months, I chose to focus on the joy that I got an incredibly rare opportunity to spend the first six months of Jasper's life hanging out with him. Even if I was you know, working from home and things would be stressful, I chose to look at the joy, to be thankful for the incredible things that God had done and, and walk in that joy. The next thing we got to do is choose peace. Choose peace. Choose every day to say, God, you're in control. I don't have to worry. God, I know that you've got good things planned for me. You know, it doesn't matter what comes my way today. It doesn't matter what comes to my way this week. God, I choose to trust you. I choose not to worry because I know that you always have enough for me. And I know that you're going to look out for me. So choose hope. Choose joy. Choose peace. And then you're going to be built different, dog. Built different. You're going to walk out of here and people are going to walk, walk past you and they're it's like, oh. Well, that person's got something that I want. That person's walking in a way that I've never seen before. That person has something, and I need to find out what that is. And there's, there's another story in Acts that I really love, that I think sums up really well. And it's in Acts 2, verses 12, and the disciples are locked in an upper room, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They're carrying fear, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And they go out to the streets, and they begin proclaiming the good news of Jesus in all sorts of different tongues. Everyone around the place could understand them somehow. It was a miracle of God. And people were watching them and seeing them, you know, just do what they're doing. And they were like, what is happening here? Then Acts 12 verse, or 2 verse 12, sorry, it says, And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? When God comes into our life and we choose to have hope, joy, and peace, people are going to look at us and be amazed and perplexed amazed and perplexed, and they're going to ask themselves, what does this mean? We're going to stand out like a giant metallic balloon dog, and people are going to want to know what's going on in our worlds. And so why don't you all stand up while we stand. I just you know, I want to give you all a moment. If, if you're here tonight, and maybe that hasn't really been your story, maybe you've never experienced that hope, that joy, or that peace. Maybe you've never had that opportunity to find out that God has a promise for you that He has a plan for your life, that He wants to do incredible things with you, and He wants to give you that joy, that hope, and that peace, and help you to be the kind of person that people want to be around, the kind of person that people want to see, the kind of person that people look at and go, wow, what is going on in their world? How have they got hope in hopelessness? How have they got joy when there's no reason to have joy? How have they got peace when the world's gone crazy around them? If that's you tonight, why don't we all close our eyes in a moment of privacy. If that's you tonight, and you say, Jesus... I want a taste of that hope. I want a taste of that joy. I want a taste of that peace. And if that's you, feel free to, to raise your hand really quickly. No one's looking around. We'll uh, yeah, take a note of that. Awesome. Awesome. If you just want to respond to the message and say, God, you know, I've been struggling lately and I haven't been choosing hope. And I haven't been choosing joy. And I haven't been choosing peace. And you just want to take a moment right now to say, Jesus, please fill me with that hope, joy, and peace that you promise. Remind me of your promise for me, for your plans for my life. Feel free to also raise your hand and respond to that message. Yeah. Lord, awesome. Awesome. Fantastic. Brilliant. All right, Jesus, thank you so much that you are good. Thank you that you give us hope, that you give us joy, and you give us peace, Lord. Thank you that we are the kind of people that can go out into this world and that we can be the standouts, that we can be built different, Lord, that we can live in a way that makes people think of what have they got. We can live in a way that glorifies you. We can live in a way that shines your light, Jesus. And we believe that people are just going to fill with you in this place, Jesus. 
And that this week we will go out and we'll be built different. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, if for the first time tonight you decided that, you know, you wanted that hope and joy in your life, that is incredible. Um, we are so excited for you. And, and in your own time, you know, feel free to, to come up to a pastor and, and find out more about that. But, you know, pray a prayer sort of similar to, you know, Jesus, thank you for giving me, come into my life and I'll follow you. And I should believe that is an incredible decision. And so this week, go out, be amazing and perplexing, be built different, dog. Oh. <laughs>